Do you want a music stand? Uh, do, sorry? Do you want a music uh, stand? Gonna... No, I'm cool. I'm You're cool without that. I'm cool without that. Cool without that yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's cool. Um, good morning. If you don't like the moustache, ask me for the uh, link to Movember, and uh, you can pay for the Lose It. Okay? Now, I've, got a, I've gone into the wrong... <laughs> yeah. Tash is going to try and... Tash wants you to pay more money, so I lose that. Hi. Um, so this week, I was looking at a service for Advent. Advent is about preparation, and the service, traditional service in this period of time, is preparing for the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell. It's a really jolly time of year, isn't it? It's why we put decorations up and hide. Let me read a couple of things to you. Franklin D. Roosevelt said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. The amount of courage it takes to do something can be measured by the amount of fear one must put aside to act. Nelson Mandela said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave are not those who do not feel afraid, but those that conquer fear. So we have a reading. And uh, I think the reading will come up on the screen as we go along. And it's from... Uh, Luke, uh, starting at verse, uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angels said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, it's easier to prepare for some things than for others. Preparing to come to church with young families, for example, in my experience, that can be good preparation for saying the confession. <laughs> preparing for Christmas, preparing to cook an omelette, preparing to run 100 meters, preparing for a career in public service. Preparation can be specific. Work out in the gym may not help with being ready for Christmas. Applying for a job will not cook an omelette, unless it is a chef's job. Preparation can be general. Keeping fit benefits the whole body. But preparation 
can depend on context. So we may be prepared to cook an omelette for a friend, but not for a Michelin-starred restaurant. We may be prepared to run 100 meters to catch a bus, but it requires less preparation than running in the Olympic finals. There is preparing for the next 10 seconds. There's preparing for the next 10 minutes. There is preparing for the next 10 years. And in Advent, we're thinking about preparing for last things. And just how on earth do you prepare yourself so that you're ready to say, yeah, okay, when you have been told you're about to become the mother of God? Earlier uh, this week, I was in a seminar with some of the people who had not proceeded through the film fund that I run, uh, The Pitch. And uh, we had with us uh, a producer from the BBC, Anna Cox, who's produced hundreds of documentaries. And she was talking a little bit about resilience, because it's always good to encourage those of our uh, participants who aren't proceeding towards the chance of investment with something that they can build on for the longer journey, for the longer run. And one of the things she said that keeps you going is being curious. I love that idea, being curious, being lifelong learners. And in preparing to speak to you today, I was aware of the familiarity of that passage. I read that passage before I ever went to church in a home that never did God and at, in nativity services at school. It's the first thing I ever read at school. I had no idea what the sixth month was, perhaps June, but I didn't really understand. I had no idea. I was really familiar. Did anyone in this room hear that passage for the first time just now? I didn't think so. So here's the question. What questions do you have about it? Maybe, maybe you did. I, honestly, that might have been the first time. Um, uh, and I know Elijah probably heard it for the first time, but at two months he may, he may have to hear it a few more times. Um, but there are some questions in there. You may have had some questions about it. If it didn't, it may have just washed over your head. So I want you to take two minutes right now to turn to the person next to you or around you and come up with the best questions you have about that passage. You've all heard it before. You heard me read it just then. Honestly, what are the questions you've got about that passage? Go. Oh dear, sorry about that.
Okay. All right, then, let's hear some questions. Come on, let's hear some feedback. I want to scribble some questions down. Who's got some questions about this passage? How did the angel know? Yep. Elizabeth was having a son. Fine. Uh, that wasn't one of the questions I thought about, but since the angel knew that Mary was about to have a son, she get yeah, the same, same communication channels, I'm assuming, would be open, but that's a very good point. Uh, having, any other, other, other questions? Other, yes? So that's your question. She questioned why me. Okay. Are you asking why she asked why me? Yes, just, okay. Okay, why me? Why me? Um, uh, other questions? Yes? How can you tell it's an angel? Yes, really good question. Yeah, 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 okay. If someone walks up to you and says, don't be afraid, you kind of go, ooh, interesting clue. Yes, right, okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, how do you know? That's a really good question. If you walk into any kind of Venetian art gallery, you know because they've got dirty great big wings on. But uh, yes, we'll come to that. Any other questions? Yes? What time of the year are we in within the Jewish year? I think the sixth month refers to the sixth month, well, it does refer to the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, not to the sixth month of the year. And I, I, I should have looked that up because it did cross my mind about the, yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, the calendar, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm failing here in entirely. Any other questions? Come on. Nobody's questioning the virgin birth. Great. Yeah, in the back. Could that happen today? Uh, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, that, that takes us into territory of the Matrix films. I mean, are you, are, are you meaning... Um, I'm glad I got a movie in, because I don't have a movie in later. Um, are, are you meaning, could, could Jesus be born again? Or do you mean, could an angel walk in the door? Yeah, I've never met an angel, but I have met a man who did. He was from the Middle East, and he knocked at his, the angel knocked at his window, which he said was strange, because he heard a knocking at our window, and we live on the third floor. So, um, and he went to answer the window. And so I haven't seen an angel myself, but yes, it's the answer, I think. Uh, other questions? Yes. How, how does the Holy Spirit... I, I, think, I think that goes to the number of questions. How does she become present? Does she become pregnant? Yes, we can go... Um, that, that takes us um, to interesting territory. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Yes. Yes, oh, I do love you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Thank you, because at least I prepared an answer for that one. <laughs> Which is, I don't know. <laughs> yes, Paul. Yeah, why was trouble? Polly, I love you too. <laughs> Anyone want to hit the jackpot and get my third question? That was, why was Mary troubled by the greeting? It's interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, anyone else? Hmm? Was she afraid? Was she afraid? Uh, yes, I think she was afraid, but, uh, because the angel said, don't be, which would indicate that, that the angel sensed she was. Uh, so I would infer that from what we know from Luke's passage. Yes. Uh, any other qu last questions? Great. You've all been thinking about Komodo dragons, obviously, haven't you? Which is why you haven't had the question, can virgin birth happen? Because, um, you know, 
Komodo dragons? The scientists will tell you that it is possible to have a virgin birth. It is called, uh, let me just check that again, in the Greek, one needs to need pathogenesis, I think it is. Uh, pathogenesis from uh, um, patheno meaning virgin and uh, genesis meaning creation. And it's asexual reprodu reproduction, which happens in certain animals and creatures. And, um, and it happens in, it doesn't normally happen in Komodo dragons. They normally have intercourse, and that's how they have children, have, have their offspring. Um, but it, they are known to have uh, birth without that as well. And it's been observed. And if you look it up under wiki, you'll find that under mammals, rather wonderfully, it says, um, uh, it says, um, uh, this has never been observed in controlled conditions. But it does make reference to Mary and Jesus. There you go. Um, so it, the, the thing that's uh, in, in mammals, uh, it would, such, such a, a birth would normally have two X chromosomes. So the, the really miraculous thing is that Jesus is a male and not a female. There you go, from a scientific perspective. Um, just thought you might like to know. Right, let me go back to what I, were my questions. I'm going to try and deal with some of those questions as we go through. But here were the questions that I really wanted to group together. The first was, can this passage tell us something about how Mary was prepared for this moment? What can we learn about preparation ourselves? If we're thinking about meeting Jesus, if we're thinking about end times, if we're thinking about our own lives, what do we learn from her preparation? Um, we've had two weeks, two stories of angels foretelling births. And so in all of those, uh, what should we make of the stories of Zechariah and Mary side by side? And in particular, uh, why therefore is Mary troubled by the greeting? That, that, that's where that takes us. And the third set of questions is, what does this story of another birth have to say to the mess that we're in today? Is there anything that we take from this that's helpful for us? So first of all, something about how Mary is prepared for this moment. What can we learn for ourselves and I think it's really interesting to focus in on just one point, on verses 28 and 29. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this can be. So why was Mary greatly troubled at the saying of the angel Gabriel, as Polly asked? It sounds quite an exciting greeting. Uh, it says, greetings, you're highly favored, could be exciting. Surely this is something you want to welcome. Is it the appearance of Gabriel that troubles her? Well, Luke doesn't tell us anything about how Gabriel appeared to her. Art often gives angels wings, but while some visions recorded in the Bible, such as Ezekiel, speak of winged creatures, it's clear from elsewhere in Scripture that angels or messengers appear like ordinary human beings. The visitors who bring a message to Abraham, also about the birth of a child, are simply described as three men. And in Hebrews 13, we read, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And that suggests that at least some angels are not huge, winged, brilliant, shining beings. They just pass us by. In any case, we have a hint that it was the nature of the greeting and not the appearance of the messenger that was in Mary's mind because she wondered what kind of greeting this might be, verse 29. What kind of greeting might she have had in mind? And I'm thinking she was at least familiar with the stories read in the synagogue. 
And I'm thinking this is what prepared her, at least in part. She might have gone through, what might have gone through her mind? Well, it might have been the visit of the angels to Abraham that I just mentioned, a promise of a child in old age. Or perhaps it was the visit of an angel to Manoah and his wife, whose child you all know was Samson. Uh, But that was also to someone who was old and not young. So she's young, not old, and she's not even barren or doesn't know she's barren. So if those things were in her mind, that might be troubling. An angel also appeared to Hagar to tell her to be obedient, to Lot to speak of judgment, and to urge him to flee Sodom and Gomorrah. And those are pretty troubling appearances, if you got them in your minds. But they're not the only ones that would trouble me. In Jewish scriptures that Mary would have heard, angels appeared to men, always to men, pretty much, apart from Hagar, I've just mentioned to Abraham, to Jacob, in the stories of Exodus with Moses and Joshua, to Gideon, telling him to fight the Midianites. That's pretty scary. Before David, causing him to repent, Samuel 24. Or to the great prophet Elijah, and to the prophet Zechariah, and to close the mouths of the lions around Daniel when he's in the den. Now look, if you've got those stories in your mind and you recognize the greeting as the greeting of a messenger from God, all of those are going to take you to some pretty difficult places. None of them, incidentally, to becoming the, 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 the mother of God. But they're all going to be troubling. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Phew. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over his Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end, which is a bit of a bombshell. That's huge news. That's the kind of confirmation that this is that kind of messenger walking into the room. It'd be, for us, it would be like the sudden appearance of a TARDIS in the corner of the room. We'd know what it was. We'd think it was always make-believe. But also, if we open the door, we'd discover that the message is bigger inside than it is on the outside. There's something truly immense about what she's just being told. Absolutely huge. And perhaps we can never prepare for such a message At least, we can never be physically prepared, but we can have our heart ready. None of us will receive a message like this. Certainly not me. In my reading and my study, I couldn't really decide if Mary was prepared for what was to follow. But I think she was ready to hear. She was ready to listen. She was ready to obey. Those are things that we can prepare for, whatever the circumstance. To my mind, her trouble with the greeting suggests to me that she's at that moment prepared to meet the living God, and she knew how these things might happen. It doesn't mean that they won't be fearful or frightening, but being prepared in heart and mind makes it possible to see that something other than fear might be the most important thing. Which brings us to see the contrast with the stories from last week in a new light. Now, last week, Robbie was leading us through the story of the angel meeting with Zechariah, the priest on duty in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And Luke records this immediately before the story we're looking at today. So what do we make of the two stories side by side? Why does the encounter with the angel go so differently to the the one Luke records before it? Why does Mary walk away uh, 
obediently, and why does Zechariah not? And I think it's interesting to focus on the difference between the question that Mary asks, sort of why me, um, and the question that Zechariah asked. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Now, Zechariah's question is the same as Abraham's to God's in, in Genesis 15, how shall I know this? But his posture is different. Unlike Abraham or Mary, Zechariah follows up by asking for proof. His heart's revealed by adding some information he doesn't need to add. I'm old, my wife is old. He doesn't need to add that, and that reveals his posture. He just doesn't really believe it can happen. Where Zechariah's disbelieving, Mary is merely puzzled. But I don't think it's immediately obvious. It's not a question about how children are conceived. I don't think that. I think she understands that. Nor a question of whether she's going to be married. She's betrothed, and that's a binding legal agreement. They have to be divorced if they're not to be married in their time. Um, The key is a game with her heart, her posture before God. She hears Gabriel say, you will conceive and give give birth to a son and will call him Jesus. And she seems to understand that to mean this will be without the intervention of a man. And that this will mean without, uh, without any intervention could be immediate and the conception could happen right now. And that presents real problems. What happens to her intended marriage? What about the deuteronomical laws that mean she should be stoned for adultery if they realize she's pregnant before marriage? It's not the absence of fear that shows Mary's bravery, but her triumph over it. It's not to question the wisdom or the safety of this, what will happen if they want to stone me, but simply to ask how it will be. And it seems to be confirmed again by the way the angel answers. The angel doesn't correct her, doesn't chide her. Instead, with a kind of reverent reserve, tells her, okay, the way this is going to happen, and this is the answer to the question about how does this happen, is the Holy Spirit will come upon her. The power of the Most High will overshadow her. God himself will surround her with his sovereign power. Now, it's not like some rough, pagan Greek god. The only kind of ancient example of this kind of intervention in their minds would have been the Greek idea that a god, usually male, has uh, sex with a human female. And it's a kind of intervention into humanity and mortal life. The way the angel describes it has much more of a kind of, well, as I say, a reverent reserve. It's, it's, um, It's the one who made us for himself, taking the initiative for his saving purposes. He's he's surrounding us with his love. It's it's not a, a brutal thing. When we become the vessel for God's power from outside to live through his spirit within us, the result is things being done which would have been unthinkable any other way. Let me say that again. When we become a vessel for God's power from outside to live through his spirit within us, The result is things being done which would have been unthinkable in any other way. Let me come to my third question. What does this story of another birth have to say to the mess that we're in today? Actually, the story does speak of a very modern mess. Questionable parentage, 
mixed with the language of political and royal meaning, the stuff that tabloids love. The mixture of family secrets. secrets. Uh, Luke twice tells us that uh, Mary treasured these things. It seems from the way that they, they're told and referred to by only Luke and by Matthew in the New Testament that in many ways the family kept these things to themselves. And it's shrouded in mystery and the miraculous. The birth of a king whose rule and kingdom will have no end. All this would definitely trend on Twitter and Facebook for negative algorithms as well as the positive. Even without the papers, let alone the social media, the claim that Luke makes has echoed through the centuries, down the years. He records that this child will be born the Messiah, the king of the house of David. God had promised that a descendant of David would reign forever not just over Israel, but over the whole world. And that that king, the anointed one, which is what Messiah means, would be God's son. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God, says in verse 35. It's a kind of massive, massive claim. We, we, we read over this passage and we don't hear that. We just gloss past it. It's much, much easier to question whether Mary really could have conceived as a virgin, without human intervention, than to delve deeper and to a more disturbing question for all of us. If this child is the Messiah, then he has huge claims to our allegiance. And his kingdom has no end. It's easier, really, to be a bit like Zechariah, to be a bit muddled and to demand proof, rather than to go to the humility of Mary. She had no idea really what it would involve, what was to come, but in her courage she asked not for proof like Zechariah, but for information, a sign of trust. And she was granted more comfort than she might have imagined. She's told about Elizabeth, her cousin. She's already in her sixth month. She's given a sign, though she didn't ask for one. The angel made something of a mess of her day, but her response was the model for all of our responses to whatever the call, whatever the unexpected vocation, whatever the moment. Behold, I am the servant girl of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Just before I finish, I'll ask one last question. I just want to show a little video from my friend and colleague at work, Di Woolridge. So we're just going to go and... Something about a mess. Thank you. The Christmas story. How would you explain it? How would you picture Christmas if you could frame it? The nativity, right? Shepherds watching their flocks by night. Wise men trekking whilst tracking a sat-nav starlight with Mary and Joseph, humbled by the sight of little baby Jesus tucked in tight. That's Christmas, right? Propped up with straw and reeds and a tray of animal feed and cushioned in. Hey, I know it sounds quite cosy and nice. Reality was, there was no room for the little guy on that Bethlehem night. He kept in a cradle, 
animals as roommates. I'm not trying to pick holes in the state of the place. I'm just saying the way they were staying was just short of space. We talk about entrance is birth from address meant Jesus literally arrived in the mess. Well, that's about the birthplace and the state of the floor. I mean, there's more to the Christmas story than the deck of straw. Fifth forward eight days. In the temple, this little guy's the reason for praise. From the lips of a guy called Sim who's in his old age. For years, Sim waited in anticipation, but then the old met the new. My eyes have seen your salvation. The newborn Jesus from messy manger to a passing of the bat and just eight days later, seeing the mess of the birth comes a new age. And what's more, the birth was foretold in a mess age. Which brings us back to the cast. At the nativity set, you see, it was a message that guided their stable footsteps. An angel postman popped round, said Mary'd found favour. Save the date declaration, you'll give birth to the Saviour. He'd be son of the Most High, born through the Spirit, heir to David's throne, his reign without limit to Joseph. Call him Jesus, he really will bless, because he came to save people from all their mess. To the shepherds, he's here to rescue. That's why he's come. The reason for good news of joy, he's the one. As for the wise men, they figured the news. They gave gifts and paid homage to little king of the Jews. See, God brought the message, so they entered the mess to see Jesus' arrival at the nativity set. But let's back up a sec. See, this rhetoric rings a bell. Back in the day, Isaiah waxed lyrical about a future, Emmanuel, God, with us, one who'll be central to the story of forgiveness. So zoom out from the Christmas postcard, a message 700 years prior. He'll be a light to the searchers that spread salvation, says Isaiah. See, the angel's news, it wasn't new. In fact, these nativity messages echoed God's promises right through the ages. These messages read Jesus, speaking hope to the earth, predicting his arrival centuries before the birth. Thing is, when Christmas comes round, maybe there's a danger that we go Pinterest with Christmas and just pin up the manger in the nativity scene. It's like rating a whole film by watching one scene or thinking you know a novel because you had a quick look. So you get the whole story by skim reading one page in a book. And what I said before about him born in the mess and the deco of straw, maybe it could also be a metaphor for all the mistakes, all the messiness in life and what that creates, all the stuff in this world that just doesn't sit right. There was a reason he was born on that first Christmas night. He was born in the mess to make the wrong right. He's the message of hope. Cause out of the mess, saw God news birth that will certainly bless. Frame the stable, sure, but don't miss the picture. It was a message declared since the beginning of scripture. A war in the mess, but there's only one victor. A heel bruised, but be good news for sure. The very promise became flesh in that dead goat of straw. See, from the mess comes a message and there's none that is higher. Because what follows the mess is I-A-H. Mess, I am. Let me ask one last question. In the mess that you face, or that we face, in the confusion, the issues we were praying about earlier, how are we prepared? In your heart of hearts, what are you prepared for?
just invite you to perhaps close your eyes and be still for a moment. You might like to just open your hands open in front of you as a gesture of openness. What is it, what courage is it that you would ask God for this day, this week?